every business owner, it at least crosses your mind, right? Like when you're growing a scaling business, you like, it's one of the things you have to consider. You're either going to keep the business forever. You're going to take an investment or you're going to sell it. Like it, it's one, it's some version of those three things. So you have to at least be thinking about it. The internet has made it easier than ever to start a business succeeding on the internet. Now that's another story. The big question is what are those who are succeeding doing differently? This podcast has the answers. Hi, my name is Lisanne Murphy. I've spent the last three years running a successful advertising agency. I noticed with certain clients, I ran into the same problem over and over again. Their offering was just not grabbing the prospect's heart and wrestling them into purchasing submission. Why? Many of these business owners were so far down the road in their journey and so in love with their product, they forgot who they were serving, missing some essential steps along the way. So, I'm pivoting focus. Join me as I go behind the scenes with the most brilliant entrepreneur minds to demystify the nitty-gritty marketing hacks needed to be successful before spending thousands on advertising that ultimately separate the internet legends from the dreamers. On the previous episode, we heard from Jeffrey Bannock. Jeff owns a super high-end funnel agency that creates record-breaking funnels for entrepreneurs. His story is seriously one for the books. Make sure to check out his episode. But stick around, I've got Nathan Hirsch on next. In this episode, he talks about the process he went through to create and sell FreeUp, a freelancer marketplace. It's genius and so good. Make sure to listen in to hear the entire thing. Welcome to the Marketing Matrix Podcast. I'm your host, Lisanne Murphy, and I am here with the great Nathan Hirsch. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Awesome. Well, I just wanted to take a minute to introduce this incredible entrepreneur for those that aren't as familiar with his incredible work, and then I'm going to let him tell a little bit about his story and how he's become just this juggernaut of an entrepreneur. So Nathan is, Nathan is an entrepreneur and expert in remote hiring and e-commerce. He's the founder of freeup.com, a marketplace that connects businesses with pre-vetted freelancers in e-commerce, digital marketing, and much more. He sold over 30 million online and regularly appears on leading business podcasts such as Entrepreneur on Fire, which is uh, John Lee Dumas, and speaks at live events about online hiring tactics. So this guy has niched down and made a huge dent in the universe in this area. And we are so excited to have you on the show today, Nathan. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. And uh, hopefully we can share some knowledge that will help some other entrepreneurs out there. Oh, I'm sure that it will. Like, as a business owner myself, I know that one of the biggest pain points is knowing how to hire, when to hire. And so I think you picked a, a great a great little little carve, carved out niche for yourself. <laughs> So why don't you share, like, I'd love to hear about your journey, and I'm sure our listeners would as well. Like, how did you become the founder of of FreeUp and create this little outsourcing empire? Yeah, so growing up, my parents were both teachers, and I always grew up with the mentality that I was going to go to school, get a real job, work for 30 years, retire, and that was going to be my life. And I, I always had to get these summer jobs, winter jobs, vacation jobs. My parents made me start working from when I was 15 on, and my friends were outside playing, enjoying their summer vacation. I was inside working 40 hours a week, and I learned so much about sales, customer service, dealing with people, business in general, 
but I also just learned how much I hated working for other people. And I knew that if that was going to be my life, I was going to be miserable. I almost got a, a glimpse like what life was really like after college. And when I got to college and I went to Quinnipiac University for business, I, I kind of looked at it as a ticking clock. I had four years to start my own business or I was going to go into the real world and be miserable the rest of my life. So I started hustling. I started buying and selling people's textbooks. I had these online book distributors. I, I was offering more money than the school bookstore. I created a little referral program so people were talking about me. And before I knew it, there were lines out of the door of people trying to, to sell me their books to the point where I got a cease and desist letter from my college telling me to knock it off because I was stealing too much of their business. So that was my first glimpse into being an entrepreneur. And I didn't want to get kicked out of school. My parents were teachers. I was, that would not go over well. So I pivoted and I had sold some of these books on Amazon. This was 2008. No one knew what Amazon was. It was kind of this big bookstore that was getting into other products. And I thought it was so cool. I could have this 24 seven storefront and practice my customer service skills and get money deposited in my bank account. It was all, this was all new. And I just had to figure out what to sell besides books. So I started hustling. I started or experimenting. I started trying sporting equipment, outdoor equipment, video games, computers, typical college guy stuff. And I just failed over and over. And it wasn't until I branched out of my comfort zone and found the baby product industry. I found this deal on baby products that this business took off. And all of a sudden, Amazon starts booming. I'm over here as a 20-year-old single college guy selling millions of dollars of baby products on Amazon, doing everything myself. I'm answering every email, filling every order. I was drop shipping. I didn't even know it was called drop shipping. That's how early it was. And I remember my parents told me I should probably pay taxes because I was making money for the first time. And I meet with an accountant. And the first question he asked me is, when are you going to hire your first person? And I kind of shrugged him off. Like, why would I do that? That's money out of my pocket. They're going to steal my ideas. They're going to hurt my business. And he just laughed in my face. And he said, you're going to learn this lesson on your own. Well, sure enough, my first busy season comes around the fourth quarter and I just get destroyed. I'm working 20 hours a week. Uh, my social life plummets, my grades go down. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I can never let this happen again. Once I survive my, my first busy season and I'm like, I need to hire people. So I know nothing about hiring. I post a job on Facebook. This guy in my business law class shows up and he says, hey, I, I need a job. I don't know what you do. I don't even interview him. I just hire him right away. And I just get super lucky. He's hardworking. He's smart. He cares a lot about the business. He has opposite skills in me, same values. And he ends up being my business partner, Connor, um, who's my business partner, free up to, or we just sold free up, which we'll get to. But I, I just hit jackpot right from the beginning. And there I am as this punk 20 year old thinking, man, this hiring thing is easy. You post a job, someone shows up, you make more money, your life becomes easier. And I just proceed to make bad hire after bad hire after bad hire. And I quickly realized that college kids, not very reliable. The, the 30 year olds in the world didn't want to work for a 20 year old entrepreneur. So I pivot and I go to the remote hiring world, the Upworks, the Fivers, and I get pretty good at using them. I build this business using VAs and freelancers. And I just hate the process though. I posting a job, getting a hundred people to apply, interviewing them one by one. If they quit, I have to start all over again. And I always wanted just something better, something faster. And that's when I came up with the idea of growing my own marketplace free up where 
we get thousands of applicants every week, vet them, top 1% get in, make them available to people quickly whenever they need them. Great customer support on the back end, no turnover guarantee. If someone quits, we cover replacement costs. And we started that idea with $5,000. We got the minimum viable product out there as fast as possible. This really crummy software that did very little, but kind of held the business together. And we took some freelancers from our Amazon network and moved them to free up and started get offering them out to different people quickly ran out of freelancers, created a recruitment program, a referral program, put money into software and ended up scaling that business to over $12 million a year. And we actually just sold it two weeks ago. So um, I, I will kind of get more into that, but that's the short long version of how I went from a broke college kid to starting an, a book business and Amazon baby business, and then eventually free up. That's amazing. Well, and I love how like, I, I can only imagine like you're this, this college man who, whose apartment is like full of baby products. Like what did your friends say when they would come over and just see like stacks of baby products in your dorm room? So we were actually drop shipping. So I built relationships with all these US manufacturers and they didn't know what Amazon was either. So I said, hey, I've got a channel. I'm pretty good. I can push your products. You can keep my credit card on file. Whenever I tell you to ship something somewhere, I'll email you, you ship it to them, charge my credit card. I can mark it up at whatever I want. I make the difference between whatever I marked it up to what I sold it from. And I don't want to touch the inventory. And all you have to do is get it from point A to point B with no issues, no broken products. If you do that, I keep working with you. If there's issues and there's refunds and, and we run into all that stuff, I'll find another manufacturer. And, and that was really how the business started. So I didn't have to hold any inventory. That's amazing. That's amazing. So let's, I want to talk a little bit about, about free up because that business seemed to like evolve just from your experience of like getting totally roasted on a semester and needing help. I love that. Like you say, like, I really got lucky by, by working with Connor. When was it when you were like, there's really something to this? Like, and it wasn't just like you're perfecting the process for your own business, but like it becomes a business in itself. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because looking back, it was like, yeah, we, we really wanted to build a freelancer marketplace, but we, we didn't really start that big. We were like, Hey, we we're going to offer virtual assistance to Amazon sellers. And we had some VAs from the Amazon business. So we kind of had this Rolodex ready to go and we create a software and we started reaching out to Amazon sellers. Like, what are you struggling hiring with? Oh, we need customer service reps. We need people to write listings. Like, what if I just introduce you to someone who I've already vetted, I've already worked with. You can start with them today and we just take a percentage of, of whatever you pay them and the billing gets done through us. And people said, Hey, we'll give it a shot. And, and all of a sudden they liked it. And then we, we created this referral program where you get 50 cents for every hour that we build to someone forever. And that was a huge hit. All of a sudden people are talking about us at different conferences around the world. I had a client, I remember the first time a client signed up and he said, Hey, I, I heard about you in China. I was like, I've never been to China. And they're like, yeah, people were talking about you at this, this China conference. So that took off and we eventually just ran out of freelancers. So we had to create a recruitment team to recruit more VAs, more freelancers. People started requesting, requesting different things you didn't have, US freelancers, higher level people. So we opened up our recruitment to other things. People started to hate our software because our software is kind of lagging behind the rest of the business. So we hire some developers and quality assurance people and invest in the software and, and really grow the, the brand free up. So it was never like dump $250,000 and grow this business. It was, let's start with small amounts of money and keep reinvesting a little bit more, a little bit more, adding new ideas, adding new features, listening to feedback from clients, freelancers, internal team and building that business. That's amazing. So uh, can you speak more into like, like when, when this 
started to become a business? Like where were, what was your goal? I mean, obviously now you're like, we sold it just a couple of weeks ago, which is again, so exciting. Congratulations. But like Thank you. when it started to go, did you have like this, this, this goal that you were working towards? It's funny. I've never been like a goal person for whatever reason, like me having a, a, like a 20 year goal, in my opinion, it's like so much changes in that time. It's so tough to be like, this is where I want to be. Now I knew I wanted to be a business owner. I knew I wanted to grow a profitable business. I knew I wanted to help freelancers help clients. But when we started free up, I mean, the, the goal was to get this thing off the ground and be a service for Amazon sellers to get Amazon VAs. And, and we grew up from there. And as we got a little farther, those goals changed and, and those visions changed. But just like when I started selling on Amazon, I was selling books. The goal wasn't to really grow an Amazon business. We just kept working hard every single month and putting money back into the business and trying new ideas and a lot of trial and error and experimenting and listening to feedback and very similar with free up. And that's one of the things I love about Connor is he has a lot of those goals and he's a goals guy. He's always thinking years down the line. For me, I'm like, I'm focused on what I'm doing right now. This, this day, this week, this month, what can I do to make this business better now? And I'm not thinking short term. I'm thinking long term. I'm, I never make decisions to, to make a quick buck. It's always about building that relationship, that long-term client, that long-term sustainable business. But I'm not that focused on where my business is going to be in five years because so many things can change in the market that I have to make pivots on. And every time I'm worried about what I'm going to do in five years, that's distracting me from now. I kind of let Connor handle that part of it. And I'm much more focused on now execution. That's an amazing one. And I think that like, just want to pull out something you said that was like really, really valuable, where you said that you, you had ideas, you tested them with like a kind of like a minimal viable product type approach. And when an idea stuck, like then you went, then you went for it. That, uh, that approach I'm sure helped you with a, saving you a lot of heartache in the process of, of growing this business and allowed you to be, be nimble and, and agile as you pivoted and, and moved things around. Exactly. I love it. Okay. So what were some of your biggest obstacles that came up for you in this, in this entrepreneurial journey of, of building free up? Yeah. One of the biggest things was the software. I mean, people, they love the, the service on the front end. They loved our customer support reps and me. They love the freelancer on the platform. The software just lagged behind everything else. I mean, it looked like it was from the 1900s the original software clients could see the freelancer in their account freelancer could see clients on their account it had no other features besides the freelancer like clocking in clocking out and the clients could see their hours and clients when they wanted a freelancer they would have to call me email me skype me and we would we would keep track of that in a google doc we eventually added a, a ticketing system where clients could log into their account and submit a request that goes into our project board which we built later on and, and all that um, the affiliate program was very manual. We eventually added that and moved that into the software. So people had affiliate links for clients, for freelancers and all that. Um, all the billing was outside. So we would have a, a separate Stripe um, link that we would send clients and it was super sketchy. And, and luckily people trusted it and we eventually pulled that and made it a part of the software. Um, even stuff like, uh, like in, like adding rates, like right now the, 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 we had to go in and add the freelancer rates instead of the freelancers being able to submit the rates they want and all that. So there's so much stuff that, that we all wanted, but none of, Connor and I are not developers. So we were kind of at the mercy of the developers we hired. And I don't know if you've ever hired a developer before, but there's such a gap between business mindset and developer mindset and trying to, to get together and have that strong communication because we'll say, hey, we want this. 
And a lot of times the developer will build it like we said it, but we assumed all these things that we didn't say and it doesn't get done built the way that you want. A perfect example of this is on our signup, we wanted a drop down that had like what state, what country you're in. And so in our mind, that was easy. They put it in, but everyone that was US had to scroll all the way down to you to find US because we kind of assumed they would either put US first or make it so you could type US and then it pops up right away. But we never said it. And so it got built wrong and then we had to go back and fix it. And it took a while for us to get really good at working with developers. That is so fascinating. Well, and, and I love that like you didn't let um, the, the lack of software stop you from moving forward. I mean, the fact that you were like managing clients on a Google doc and, and like separate outside affiliate links and Stripe accounts like that, just like the organization of that, like blows my mind, but like you, you did it. And then you brought it into the, into the software as, as you had the resources and know-how of like exactly how you wanted it set up. That is just incredible. Right. So it was funny. I mean, at one point we were running like over a three, $4 million business with just this crummy software that no one liked. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty wild that we, that we got that far, but it was definitely a testament to like the high level of customer support and, and the freelancers too, because if those weren't at a plus, then no one would have put up with that software. And, but at some point it became enough is enough. And we had to make that commitment. Yeah. Well, and it also goes to show that like, the like servicing customers at a high level really is the most important thing. I think a lot of people, when they have an idea, they say like, I need an app. And they like start with the app instead of like, let's figure out how we need to really serve these people first and we'll build the technology to, to support them as we go. Yeah. It, it, it's funny. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? The, yeah, the whole, the whole dev experience is, is pretty crazy. I mean, we, you can't compete with other people on everything, right? Like I'm not going to have a bigger marketing budget than Upwork. I'm not going to have a bigger software budget than Upwork, but I can have better customer support. I can have better freelancers. I can have a better client experience. And I think that's what a lot of entrepreneurs don't understand is they're trying to compete with the big players in their space on the wrong things. Anyone can compete on customer service. You don't need a hundred million dollar budget to do that. So we focused on the things that we could control. And even when we sold free up, we had a hundred pages of dev projects that we wanted that if we could snap our fingers and implement them, we would, but now these new owners are, are going to be able to put a lot more manpower and time and, and get people all these features that they want. I love it. Yeah. So since you brought up that acquisition, let's talk about that process. Like I would love for you to talk about the growth of FreeUp and what happened to get it to a point where it could sell or like that was even like a, a possibility where you're willing to consider that. I would love for you to, to go through that process because that is not something you come across with entrepreneurs every day. Yeah. So we scaled up from a million dollars the first year to five to nine to this year, it'll finish around 12. So um, we sold it. There's a, like a month and a half left in the year when we sold it. So the, it's funny because I got, I've been on a lot of podcasts. People ask me like, Oh, like, are you thinking about selling free up? And I mean, the honest answer is like every business owner, it at least crosses your mind, right? Like when you're growing a scaling business, you like, it's one of the things you have to consider. You're either going to keep the business forever. You're going to take an investment or you're going to sell it. Like it's, it's one, it's some version of those three things. So you have to at least be thinking about it, but we never woke up and we were like, all right, like we need to get rid of this business or we want to sell this business. And Mark, who owns The Hoth, which is actually a, an SEO company that's an hour and a half from me. They're down in Tampa. I'm in Orlando. Um, he was a client of FreeUp. He used FreeUp. He liked FreeUp. And they reached out to us, him and his partner, David, who are 
awesome business owners that they bought the Hoth for like a hundred thousand um, dollars years ago and they've grown it to over 25 million. So they know what they're doing. They're big time entrepreneurs and, and super nice guys. And we, we heard them out just like we did other people. And they aren't the only people that have approached us. We've been approached by either business owners or venture capitalists or, or whatever it is over, over the years. And our thing was we weren't going to sell it free up to someone who was going to destroy it or break it down or, or, and we didn't want anyone to get screwed over in the deal. We didn't, we have our internal team in the Philippines who are incredible. We love them. We've worked with them for years and we weren't going to do anything unless they were taken care of and the freelancers on the platform who put their trust in us, the clients on the platform. So it had to be the right type of people. Obviously the, the money and the other stuff had to make sense as well, but we heard them out and they, they made an aggressive offer and we did our due diligence on them as much as they did due diligence on us. And that took months. And I think we asked them as many questions as they had us. Like we want to know everything about them, everything about their plans, all of that. And it, it checked out. I mean, they, they seem like an older, more successful version of Connor and I in terms of values and beliefs and, and how they treat people. So then it came that the not so fun part, the back and forth of the lawyers, which was months of just not mind numbing, going over every legal jargon that you can imagine. And I think both sides were, were very reasonable. I think both sides were obviously trying to protect themselves. And obviously that's what the lawyers are trying to do. And if it was up to us, we would have kind of skipped over that, but it was a big enough deal where you had to kind of get those lawyers involved. But um, even down to throughout the entire process, Connor and I went in with the mentality and we told each other this, we're like, we need to act like we're not selling free up, not to lie to the world, but to, because we don't know that this deal is actually going to get done. The other people can back out at any given time. Who knows what will happen. And the last thing we want to do is get in a position where we're, we're, we don't end up selling free up, but we just spent the last four months focusing on the sale, not focusing on the business and the business plummets. And now we're just in a terrible situation. We have no sale, no business and, and all that. So we stayed focused. We worked our butt off. We had some of the best months that we ever had um, during that time. And, and going down to the last week. So we're getting closer to Thanksgiving. Connor, my partner's in Denver. And I, I told him, I was like, listen, it's not like you're going to spend Thanksgiving with me. You have, fam- you have plans with your family. Like this deal is coming down to the end. I don't know if it's going to happen, but why don't you fly down and hang out with me for the next week. At some point you're going to go home. If, if, if you come now or you come in three days, like there's no real difference. Like let's just come and hang out and we'll wait it out and we'll work on free up. And so he flew down and there was one day where we were just sticking around, just talking to lawyers back and forth for the entire day. And we actually went out to, to get drinks. And at 9 PM, it was like the last thing that we were negotiating about at 9 PM. The, the owners, Mark and David, who we really like said, Hey, like we have an agreement, drive down to St. Pete, Tampa um, tomorrow. So we woke up the next day and drove down there and signed it. Wow. That is crazy. So it happened fast. It sounds like. Four months. It took four months. It didn't seem like it was going by fast. (laughs) (laughs) In the long scheme of things. So, I mean, this, this just happened. Um, Have you decided like, I'm going to take like a sabbatical. My family and I are going to travel. We're just going to go like chill for a bit before you like hop back into the ring. Or are you like just jacked up and ready to go again, hard in the paint? So I have family coming for two months. So I'm definitely going to take some time off. I don't think I'm going to go sit by a beach. We were talking about launching a, a course on how we scaled this business using virtual assistants and set up team leaders and assistant team leaders and different structure and process. And people have been asking me for that for a while. I, I haven't been able to turn my focus away free up to do it. So 
that's something that we're talking about. I want to get into real estate. It's something I also want to do. been reading a lot of real estate books, but I, I've also had other people send me opportunities and, and stuff like that. And, and I'll go through everything and keep an open mind, but I'm not in a rush to, to jump into anything. And I mean, most importantly, we're on 60 days to transition to the new ownership. We want FreeUp to be successful. We love FreeUp. We negotiated a lifetime discount for us to use FreeUp. We're going to use FreeUp on the next business that we, we run. Like we really believe in FreeUp. And, and so we want to set FreeUp to be successful. So before we do anything else, we need to make sure that everyone is taken care of um, and moving forward with FreeUp. Um, and they have all the information. They're prepared so they can do awesome things with it. So that's the focus right now. Is it kind of weird for you to think about using FreeUp as a customer instead of as an owner? It's weird, but I love the internal team. I mean, one of the things that we said is we're not doing the deal if the internal team gets screwed over. And we were able to take hundreds of thousands of dollars from the deal, give it to the internal team to take care of them, take care of their families. And um, off of that, we secured all their jobs. So they, they're continuing the jobs going forward um, and all of that. So while it's super sad to, to not work with them anymore, and that's definitely the hardest part, and, and there were some tears on both sides, and we've worked with a lot of them for a while, um, we really do believe that we set them up to be successful, um, both short-term and long-term. And I mean, it's, would it be weird? Maybe, but it'd also be kind of cool being going to my customer service rep and being like, hey, I need to submit a request and, and staying in touch with them, which we plan on doing anyway. So I don't think it'll be as weird as we think. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. So um, how, how can listeners get, get, get in touch with you or follow your journey and, and where you're going to go from here? Yeah. So contact me on social media, the real Nate Hirsch. You can find me on LinkedIn, on, on Facebook. I don't have a, a name of our course yet, but um, if you Google my name at some point, there will be a VA course out there and feel free to connect with me. And, and if I can help you in any way, let me know. Also go to freeup.com, freeup with three E's, check it out. I love the platform. If you're looking to hire, I, I still strongly recommend them. I have nothing but good things to say about them and the owners, and they're going to take really good care of you. That's awesome. Well, we're going to put those links for sure in the notes so that people can get a hold of you. I've got, I've, so I've got one last question for you and I always love to end with this question. So you've been on this, you've been on this journey and I love how like you, you knew early on in your life that you wanted to be a business owner. You didn't want to work for somebody else. And you've talked about the, uh, the great success that you've had as you've built the, you've built this company and, and now you've sold it. What are some of the behind the scenes transformations that have happened for you and your family as you've been on this journey? <laughs> Transformations for me and my family. I mean, I don't know. I'm a pretty like frugal guy. It's not like I'm, I'm going out and buying boats and cars. And even if I make more money, I'm not really spending more money. I mean, the biggest thing is freedom. I mean, I've been able to travel to the Philippines and meet awesome people and take trips with my fiance and have my parents come stay with us for two months and travel Seattle to visit my sister and hang out with my family and celebrate my dad's 70th birthday. I mean, I've been able to work whenever I want, wherever I want for, for since as long as I can remember. And hopefully that continues going forward. I built unbelievable relationships with people in the industry that I wouldn't trade for anything. A lot of them I consider friends outside of just partners and clients and all that. And um, yeah, it's just been a, an amazing experience and, and rewarding too. I mean, we were able to pay out over $7 million to freelancers around the world last year, helping them provide for their families and, and, and grow their own freelance business and pursue their dreams and helping other entrepreneurs scale their business and pursue their dreams. So it, it's not one thing. It's a combination of a lot of things. I love that. Well, I love that you bring up the families that you've been able to impact through the business that you've built. Can you speak a little bit into like your why? Like 
why why do you hustle and create this life and spend the time building out these teams like what 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 is your motivation for doing that yeah there one thing that i hated about the amazon business it was kind of like me and connor at the top and we were really helping other people like yeah we had a small team yeah we helped the manufacturers a little bit but at the end of the day we're just pushing products and I, and I was pushing other people's products. I didn't really, I wasn't really passionate about those. And with free up, we were able to help thousands and thousands of people grow their business, provide for their family, have more stability. I, I can't tell you how many thank yous we got of, Hey, I was working this crummy job and I got into freelancing and it was tough. And then I found the free up marketplace and I landed these four awesome clients and, and all of that. So, I mean, to me, that's why I hustle. And that's why when, whenever we do launch this course, I mean, I don't want to launch some crappy or crummy uh, money-making course, I wanted to actually add value and actually be able to change people's businesses and help them. I mean, that that's what I care about at the end of the day. I love that. That's amazing. Nathan, I love that your, your willingness to share about your story and how you got to where you were and to share about some of the nitty gritty details of, of your acquisition. And as well, talk about how impact is important for you and it's a huge motivator and why you um, were working with freelancers to really bless their life. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us today, for being on the podcast and, and for sharing your journey. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning into the Marketing Matrix podcast. On the next episode, we have Julian Danilak. Julian is a copywriting and master storyteller. His gift lies in pulling people's stories out of them to get the details they don't know were there to help them spread their message all over to the world. Click over to listen in. But while I've got you, I wanted to remind you about the Marketing Matrix Toolbox. Guys, this is seriously the best and it keeps growing every single week. We're adding new content, it has tons of marketing resources, and guess what? It is 100% free. So you can access that at toolbox.themarketingmatrixpodcast.com. If you want to also have conversations with me surrounding advertising, specifically paid advertising, would love to have you join my Facebook group. My Facebook group is called Facebook Ads for Coaches, Course Creators, and Lifestyle Brands. You can get access by going to www.facebook.com slash groups slash FB Ad Ninjas. All right, guys, that's it for now. See you next time on The Marketing Matrix.